are listening to an Atomic Broadcasting production. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the feature presentation. And remember, do your part, such as like, comment, rate, and don't forget to tell a friend to tune in for an Atomic Time. Far in the northern reaches of Avistan, along the frozen coast of the Arcadian Ocean, and beyond the noble peaks of the Kodar Mountains, lies the land of the Linor Kings, a harsh clime composed primarily of tiger and marsh. The land of the Linon Kings is known for its bitter winters and hardy people. To be a Linon King, you see, a warrior must defeat a Linon in single combat. Linons, horrid, dragon-like creatures, and worse, each one equipped with a unique horror. Some their poison breath, others acid blood, and each the bearer of a dreaded death curse. Thus it is that the children of the orphan are both led by and aspire to themselves become great warriors. The Skalds sing of the feats of warriors past, and these tales inspire new heroes of our time. Our tale, my dear listeners, begins with such heroes. Spurred by their need for gold, love of adventure, or perhaps their own personal reasons, our heroes begin their saga on a small, unassuming caravan. Brought on as hired help for a task considered important by those who have no idea of what will shortly be at stake. Thus begins our tale of the written and the lost. Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of our new actual play podcast, The Written and the Lost. I am so excited that you've all joined us for this wild ride. There's going to be laughs, there's going to be crying, there's going to be feeling really confused about how we're feeling. But before we get into any of that, let's go ahead and go around the table and just introduce the players of this show as we're going on. First up is me. Hello, I am your game master. I am going to be responsible for about 80% of the horrible things that these characters experience. The other 20% will be the fault of the players themselves. I will be in control of creatures, monsters, NPCs and just generally the world around as we craft this improvisational story together. I'll be rolling dice as will the other players that will help to resolve some of the questions of how things play out. Uh, as we go around the table though, we'll introduce the players who will be bringing our main characters to the table. We'll go around this way and start with you, Sven. Being a tall and of Nordic descent fellow, how do you feel about playing in a world that's based around Nordic worlds? I am super excited to bring my character into this. I think it's going to be very interesting, I think. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, maybe like two factoids. Well, I am a engineer tech, and I work with auto remanufacturing. And I've been a nerd for going on 27 years. A huge Lord of the Rings fan for anyone out there who enjoys that wonderful... Uh, genre. Nice, nice. Well, good to meet you, Sven. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't known each other at all. Who are you? Prior to this. So 
this no. is the first time we're all meeting. We should put that out there. Oh yeah, this is we've actually never seen each other in person before ever. We've never even met. Half no, of, not even a little bit. <laughs> half of us don't work together. That's, <laughs> that's true. true. Yeah, actually, half <laughs> of us don't exactly. work together. Uh, going around the table next up is Abby. Abby, since you're a person who loves animals in real life, I'm assuming that in the game you're going to be playing a character who hates them. Uh, no. <laughs> I love animals, both in-game and out-of-game. How dare you? <laughs> well, why don't you go ahead and give us two <laughs> factoids about yourself. Um, I am technically a zoologist. I work as a keeper for uh, working mainly with big carnivores, so that's fun. Um, and I've been a nerd since, I don't know, does Star Trek count? Definitely. I guess junior yeah. high. And then I got into gaming, uh, or tabletop gaming in college, so... And I love coffee. Ah, yes. With a fresh cup of coffee by our side, we can accomplish miracles. Next up, going around the table, Sam, we agreed beforehand that we wouldn't talk about how you're dressed. <laughs> or what I'm doing. Or what you're doing, yes. Uh, but is there, anything, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to tell us about yourself? Well, my name's Sam. I'm a huge comic book guy. Love them. Have since I was, I guess, about 10 years ago, actually, now. Yeah, officially 10 years ago. That's great. Uh, I just finished up reading Hell, some of Hellboy. First time. I can't believe I waited this long. Really good. Now I'm reading The Question by Dennis O'Neill. Love it. Um, I guess Canadian. I've been a nerd. I've really embraced the nerd. I'm probably when I was about 15, 16. Uh, so about 10 years ago. Um, yeah, pretty good. Uh, I've been excited. We've played this. These groups have played together in these tabletop role-playing games. For a lot, not necessarily all of us together at once, but separate. I look forward to starting another campaign with all you guys, because you guys are great. Next up, we've got Jenkins. We'll be referring to you by your surname, because there are shared names at this table. We have two Michaels. He's sitting right next to me. He's great. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some things about me. I refuse to tell you about how long I've been a nerd. Y'all can figure that out eventually. Uh, And two, I'm the only one here wearing a suit, and I am ashamed. Except for Sam, of course. Oh, hey, we don't talk about what I'm wearing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and last but not least, we have Petite. As the tallest among us, Petite, do you have any wisdom from on high to deliver to us? Well, first of all, I don't know if I'm the tallest. I think Sven might be. You are the tallest. He is? By like half an inch. Okay, well. um, I don't have any knowledge from on high, but uh, I can tell you that I have uh, previously said no to tabletop role play before because I had no idea how to play in the beginning and I still have no idea how to play. Um, so nobody ever really knows how to play. (laughs) It's true. Even if, uh, even if I do semi understand my characters and the things that they do, it's always a fun thing to learn and get to learn with others. Welcome to the table. Is that is that enough factoids? Yeah, do you, do you want another good. factoid? So Mary oh. Shelley, um, <laughs> she was the author of Frankenstein. <laughs> this has been fun facts with Michael. Petite. Petite. I've got more hey in, now. The, in the bag. Just I haven't given a fun fact. Well, I was leaving it open in case you wanted to give one next time. <laughs> Fair. 
All right. So that will introduce all of the players at the table. We've got a few other people who help out with things behind the scenes. I do want to give a shout out to Jacob, our tech guy. He's working on the recordings right now, helps out with a lot of the story consulting and did the awesome recording of that intro voice that kind of introduced you to the world before we got into things. If it doesn't sound like Cave Johnson, I'm going to throw a riot. I'm a riot. Well, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) With all that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into the story. So you all, as you know, have been hired as members of a caravan heading on your way to the small mining town of Copperburgit. Recently, some miners have broken through in through the mine into a small cave inside of the mountain that was just filled with something interesting. They saw some details, some maybe some inscriptions on the wall, one of them claimed, and they were just like, we're not going in there. We're not taking a look at things. So they hired out of town scholars and experts to come look at things. You are not these scholars and experts. You are the hired hands to make sure that they get there and back safely. As we sort of zoom in and a helicopter shot from the sky, we see the peaks of the Kodar Mountains, which separate the land of the Linorm Kings from the southern portions of Avistan. We zoom in closer, we see evergreen pine trees and a twisting winding trail leading up into the mountains. This caravan of mixed and matched people with their wagons drawn by horses. Unfortunately, all but one of them are traveling on foot. It's about mid-afternoon, winding through the wilderness in the mountains. And we zoom in closer and closer, and as we come up to this band, we see a wizened old man with a white beard and a peaked Gandalf-style hat. And Sven, who is he talking to? He is talking to a dwarf, kind of fitted out in a green forestry robe, and with kind of half-leather gloves with the fingers poking through, but... What's interesting about this dwarf is that if you were to catch kind of a look at his face and even like on the tips of his fingers, you see scars, large scars that are less like carved into his skin, but more like they were just written or placed. And around it is a long white beard and long white hair. And even though he looks old, his eyes just kind of sparkle. Like he still has that spark of life. He's still young in some sense. So as you're having this conversation with this old wizard, whom you know to be named Salazar Wells, what do you think you folks have been talking about as you've been journeying? Oh, Uver uh, is very interested in these writings that he was, that uh, they said they found. Like, uh, what are the origins? How old are they? What's, what, what is the composition? Is it complete? Is it not? Like, and as you're asking more like these detailed questions about the writing and stuff, uh, the wizard Salazar kind of cuts you off. He's like, oh, my dear boy, we have hardly even seen anything of these. We don't even know if the writings inside the cave are of any import. We just have the testimony of the dwarves who had first broken in. And that is our mission as we go in there to explore and to see what hasn't yet been seen. Well, that is very fascinating. Like... These, these things have been covered up, yes. They, they have been covered up for all these years. I think that it might be very important to try and 
at, at least see what the writing does and, and then see the contextual basis of, of the surroundings. Like, there could be more. Are there books if you go further in? Is there writing on the stones? Is there, is there like, a, a, a different uh, scrolls or anything? I think, oh, that would be very fascinating to look at. And Salazar, he's very excited. He's like, well, yes, indeed. But um, before we go on, what was your character's name? My character's name is Uver Sturkwind. Gotcha, gotcha. So Salazar is like, I agree. I think you are a man after my own mind, Uver. I think we'll get along quite well. Have you ever considered joining the Arcanimerium? Honestly, I t- it has not crossed my mind. You I see. don't have time to listen to all of this bloody academic nonsense. As he's talking, another figure just kind of pushes up, and this is Dolvin Erickson. You met him as this party was heading out. He's like the foreman of this whole operation. He was representing the interests of the dwarves of Copperberga. All right, come on, and he gestures behind him, and we'd see a figure following behind him. Petite, who do we see? Um, well, at first, you do not see much. In fact, this entire time, um, all you've seen uh, has been a just a cloaked figure in black. Um, he's fairly short. He's about four feet tall. Um, but he almost seems as a shadow. He tends to walk very um, wispfully. He doesn't really make a lot of, uh, a lot of noise or um, what's the word I'm looking for? He doesn't make an appearance much, uh, but you can see that he has nice um, black pants at the bottom of his cloak uh, with uh, silver pinstripes, and uh, he has black polished shiny shoes. Okay. Um, but I'm not I'm not done yet. <laughs> uh, the bottom of his face is visible. It's a pale gray white, um, almost silver, and his hair pokes from his he- a hood, but seems to shimmer and is. Uh, I uh, don't know what I wrote there, but it, it doesn't seem to exist. And you know him as Zephyr. Oh, my God. How do you spell that? Uh, Z-E-P-H-E-A-R. I think. Oh, like Zephyr, but with a little bit of flair at the end. No, it's spelled like Zephyr. <laughs> I just wrote Zephyr on my <laughs> And up until now, you haven't really heard him speak at all. He just kind of follows along. Uh, he follows Delvin because he's most familiar with him. And Delvin's kind of waving you forward as he's like trying to push back f- towards the front of the wagon. Um, you'd kind of fallen back as he was talking to Sophie, one of the Skule twins who was bringing up the rear. And now he's trying to push his way back forward to the front, just kind of following along with him since, you know, the rest of these people are kind of weird. I'm going to catch back up to him or try to wistfully move my way towards <laughs> him, uh, towards the rest of the, I guess, the twins at this point. Gotcha. Gotcha. As you're moving along through the caravan, Abby, with what we know about your character and the fact that you've probably had enough time to kind of Make sure nobody's paying any attention to you. What do you, what do you think your character might be up to at this point? I don't, I don't think she's up to too much right now, to yeah. be honest. I mean, Salazar's still around. Yeah, she's probably behaving more than usual, not getting up to anything. <laughs> um, gotcha. And what's your character's name? Her name is Neros. Again, I'm not going to bother asking how to spell it. You're not Faros? Near... Os. 
Gonna spell like Nero from like the Matrix. I don't care how you spell it. (laughs) You're the chosen one. Oh, I hope not. The world would not be in great hands if she was the chosen one. The world's gonna burn. That's what makes it a good story. You rise up to your mantle. Anyway. Um, So you see she's uh, in very beat up like street clothes. Uh, She doesn't take great care of herself. she is a fetchling, so she has like gray skin, um, and she has like silvery, almost white hair, um, and her eyes kind of match that. There's no pupils, no irises, so it can be kind of ominous. Uh, she almost always looks like she's up to something, like she has kind of like a mischievous glint in her eyes. Uh, the most notable thing, though, that you would probably notice right away her hands uh, all the way up to like her forearms is completely black and it like kind of fades into the natural gray of her skin color. So as you're kind of walking along, minding your own business, behaving yourself. Um, For the most part. Yeah. Chatting with Azel Shara from the Osirian continent from the south. She's got all sorts of tales of the Mwangi expanse and the desertous reaches of Osirian itself. And as the two of you are chatting about that, the camera might just kind of pan to the side. And we see walking off probably, probably I would imagine in the dead center of the party, equally distant from either of the Skill twins. Sam, who do we see? We see a human man. Uh, he looks about in his late 40s. He looks like he's really showing his age. Uh, he stands tall, very good posture, almost like a military stance. But he he hangs his head down pretty low. Um, he looks very worn, almost haunted, I guess. If you looked at his eyes, that would probably be the vibe you'd get. Um, he wears this old military garb over his breastplate with old faded regalia. That probably means something to some people, but for the most part, you probably can't even tell what it was. Um, his right arm is wrapped up in a rusted chain, and he's clutching onto a chalice full of like this pale green water. Um... He's not very well kept right now. His hair is kind of a mess. His beard isn't really kept well. When he's sort of paying attention again and not kind of zoning out, he's shifting between looking at the Scold twins and uh, Sithri, like trying to keep his distance from them. Gotcha. And Sithri, of course, is the only member of the party who's riding a horse. I do enjoy how you also put down old as balls. <laughs> I highlighted in a red. I can't do that. <laughs> Get on my level. Sorry. So kind of shifting your attention between the twins and Sithri's, the twins kind of are studiously watching you whenever they get the opportunity. Uh, Sithri, on the other hand, is completely ignoring you. She is, however, engaged in conversation with the financier of your mission. Would you like my name? I don't care about your name. She looks away. No. Oh, fine. <laughs> yeah, no, give us your name. My character's name is Hamir. Gotcha, gotcha. And as you're looking back and forth between the twins, they're kind of watching you, side-eyeing you, kind of giving you some attention. Uh, Sithri is just completely ignoring you. Uh, She seems to be more engaged in a very professional conversation with the financier of your mission. 
Jenkins, would you introduce your character? Yeah, so my character's name is Howard Volden. Uh, he is dressed in a three-piece neutral-toned suit. Uh, it's made of a mixture of cloth and leather. Um, currently, since he's talking, uh, he's standing around 5'9", but when he stands up straight, he's six foot tall. He has gold-like hair, silverish eyes, and dotted across his hands, feet, elbows, and behind the ears are like little crystalline motes. Um, sort of on around his person. Neat. And the conversation between you two is very surface level, very professional, like, you know, just like, oh, yes, well, we'll be going here. The schedule is like this and, you know, nothing terribly interesting or exciting. But as we've gone through that, there's only one person in the group that hasn't been introduced, and that's been Bilgo Terenbor. The only reason he hasn't been introduced is because nobody wants to talk to him. (laughs) He's a bit um, insufferable and kind of just minds his own business. He's just a short little gnome who's just kind of buries his face in books and scrolls as they walk. And if anybody tries to engage him in conversation, he's just like, oh, go away. I'm reading. And that introduces us to this party as they're traversing this winding forest trail through the mountains. At this point, it's probably mid-afternoon. I will mention the intention for this uh, excursion was to leave town first thing in the morning so as to arrive at Copperburgit in time to find room at the inn there. Because Sithri was late, there was like no chance that you guys are going to make it to Copperburgit on time. So the Skjold twins ran out and picked up some tents for everyone, and you're planning on camping partway along the journey. How many tents are there? Uh, there's one extra, actually. As 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 uh, addition to what? Uh, to the party. So there's... Hold on. Let me count. So I get my own tent? Yes. Okay, that's, that's what I was worried yeah, about. Yeah, they're little pup tents. Okay, I didn't want to share with anybody. There's... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve normal small tents, and one huge tent that Sithri brought with her. <laughs> I will be adding this tent to my inventory. Yeah, actually, you guys can probably go ahead and add them. You're responsible for them now. This is my tent. I've marked my scent. Oh, no. I just rubbed it in my pits. I didn't pee on it or anything, if that's what you're thinking. Now I am. <laughs> I definitely think Hubert is wholly engorged in his conversation with Salazar. Going on and on about the details of magic and the random research project Salazar has been working on. Oh, definitely. Also, Hubert, I am sure, is uh, telling him, adding in things that he's learned in the general area, actually, like some of the local folklore, like you know, wh- who lived here before and stuff like that that he's found or heard of um somewhat to your disappointment whenever you kind of like start going on about like local story and stuff like that salazar's just like not interested and just keeps steering the concept back to pure magic that's all he cares about ah. i also think that he's uh Uver is going to try and rope in uh Menbilgo as well it's just e- no, every now no, and again leave me alone but what do, what do you think about the, the, the architecture? The things that you've heard? What, do you have any uh, theories already? He hands you a pamphlet <laughs> 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 that has like the books he's written on architecture <laughs> and where to buy them. 
Dang, does he get royalties? I mean, <laughs> I get all the money. Are <laughs> any of these available in like the local library or something? Mm. Any good library worth visiting? Well, then I will definitely have to check out your books, but uh, what do you think now? Like, uh, is any series as you're, you're, you're reading through the descriptions? What? The descriptions of the, the cavern. Like, do you think it is man-made? Do you think it, is, it was found and then they carved in it? Like, what, what do you think so far? What are the possibilities? I will withhold all opinions until we get there. And then, once we do, I will put them down in a book. And I will give you an updated flyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's some fast publishing. <laughs> so, but I understand that it will fade out because Uver is just going to try and just bring him pushing. in get, get information. <laughs> pushing and pushing. As this all, all is happening over here, I would imagine uh, Salazar is getting distracted. He's not keeping an eye on anybody else in the caravan. Not paying any attention to nothing. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Zephyr has set up his tent and gone into the tent. <laughs> Wait, we're not. I traveling. thought the caravan was still moving. He is on the wagon. Yes, no. You can just you can tie it to the horse that Sithri's riding on, <laughs> and she can just drag your tent. <laughs> no, see, I I imagined we were stopped. Well, still a, not yet. A little pup tent sled right back there. <laughs> We're still moving. We haven't gotten to the stopping point. I mean, place. sure. Okay, <laughs> let me retcon that, test. I guess. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I feel like he's always talking, so it doesn't matter if we're stopped or not. He's just going to keep talking. Um, yeah, so he's he's not in a tent um, while walking, uh, but he has uh, just kept to himself more towards... I guess more towards the front of the caravan as he was hurried along, mm-hmm. but um, he he's very hard to like keep track of, um, just kind of moving along without giving eye to anyone else, just trying to get to where he's going. So don't talk to me. Oh. You're talking. <laughs> just giving you a description. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I can't be in a tent. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, your time will come. I will be in that tent. We stop. I'm in the tent. <laughs> roll to tent. Roll to tent. <laughs> I failed my tent roll. <laughs> Who was the person on the horse? What's her name? Sithri Charles. Sithri. Okay. Um, so Neros is kind of looking around. She sees Salazar is not paying attention to her. And uh, she kind of walks up behind the horse to make sure Sithri is not paying attention. Um, and she takes a piece of paper out of nowhere from her satchel and um, writes something on it. You can see her scrawling away. Looks over, makes sure Salazar is not, still not paying attention, even though he'll probably see it and know exactly who did it. And she tapes her tapes. Can you tape things in Pathfinder? Pin she pulls the gum pin. out of her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would notice glue? a pin. I, I would assume they have glue. Yeah, there's glue? there's adhesives. All right. Um, sure, she has glue, and she glues to the horse's rear this piece of paper. That's 
And then with an arrow pointed up at the rider, it says, kick me, I think I'm superior. Animal safe glue, I'd hope. Sure. <laughs> it's it's not very strong stuff. They don't have strong adhesives. And from what no, I know wait. about glue and horses, glue. I don't want to... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does my character notice this at all? Good question. Hey, Abby, can you make me either a stealth or a thievery check? Mm. Which will be roll? the first roll of this roll. new campaign. Oh. Aside from all of the prelude episodes we did. Well, both sucks. so here we go. It's a natural five. Plus one. Six. So, as you go up to adhere this sign to the horse, you, like, go to put it on, and the horse, like, flicks its tail just at the right moment, and it flicks the paper out of your hand, and it just kind of flutters up in between Albert and Sithri as they're talking. Text facing towards Albert. Can I have my, once I see the text, can I have my mage hand just grab it, crumple it up, and then put it in my backpack? Hmm. You definitely can. Okay. Are you wanting to do that in such a way as, like, to not let Sithri notice you're doing it? Or Um, I don't think yes. Um, but I don't, like... It, it would be in a frantic motion where I don't want her to notice, but it would. I'm casting Mage Hand, so gotcha. she's going to notice. Yeah, so she's definitely going to notice that you're casting Mage Hand. My question is more, are you doing it in such a way as to like try to play it off as just like, oh, let me grab that garbage. Yeah. Are you like, oh. Yeah, no, like, let me grab that. Gotcha. Okay, okay, gotcha. So you, you just wave it up and, you know, that's not too hard to just be like, oh, okay, get that out of there, mm-hmm. you know. You see this happen. You see him grab the parchment. Uh, she quickly walks away, or like, verges somewhere else that's not next to the horse. She's like, act natural. Nothing happened. That did not go as planned. From the vantage point in the front, Zephyr kind of just turns, looks, and just slightly chuckles. You can kind of see a smile on his face if you were looking at him. Where does this paper end up, by the way? Oh, James? in my backpack. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was a crumple and toss them in. No, no, no. It, it was a crumple and put it in backpack. Okay, gotcha. I bet you have a lot of paper in there. I, I, I don't, actually. <laughs> I should. <laughs> Do Over and Salazar notice this? I would imagine not. Especially because where we started, it was like Salazar's not paying attention. You know, I'd imagine you're probably engaged in something really interesting at that point. So, probably not. That makes sense. But. You look like you I was just thinking about the fact that she critically failed against my DC, so like I, I'm fairly Same. certain most people see, or at least are sure aware of it. Pretty much anybody. It's just who up to whether or not they care to look sense. over. Yeah, <laughs> which is her main concern funny. is did Salazar see and he did not, so. which is important. <laughs> I like everybody, but. Salazar and, and Uber yeah. saw Men Bilgo just like looked up and was like Duh. I suppose that means Sithri saw it, but she doesn't seem to have reacted. She doesn't care. She's not facing the right way. She, just, she no, heard it. There's no facing in Pathfinder. Thankfully. She's literally behind the horse. Sithri would have to go. Well, she blinked. She, she Abby saw the just paper. demonstrated turning around while sitting horseback. <laughs> <laughs> she saw the paper at that minimum. No, she blinked. She doesn't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that. You're not stepped away. As best as she could. 
as the group is journeying on and heading closer to their destination, the sun is beginning to set. Uh, the foothills of the Kodar Mountains that you're traveling through run long, like east to west, west to east. So the sun kind of just is just setting along the ridge of the mountains, but it's beginning to dip down behind the trees and it's starting to get dark. And we're, you know, roundabouts time to get your camp set up. The skill twins with the practiced expertise of rangers just set up their own personal tents and begin setting off looking for wood and such to build a fire. I imagine all of you set up your tents, most notably. <laughs> I have set up my tent. Zephyr's tent was up before the twins were even started. I will tent roll. It's a 17. Uh, I don't think there's anything to add to survival. it. I wanted a natural tent. Oh, my survival's a zero. So. <laughs> a natural tenty. <laughs> I go in my tent. And I do not reappear. I knock oh. down his tent. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. My tent has an AC of 38. Oh. Um, I'm using my hands. That's a little cold. (laughs) Celsius. Oh, 38 Celsius. That's pretty hot. uh, Uh, Okay, okay, okay. Does this uh, world of ours work in Fahrenheit or Celsius? Or Kelvin. Or Kelp. If it's oh. Kelvin. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> what? Your tent is 38. <laughs> My tent is gone. <laughs> That's very cold. It froze and just shattered. So as these tents are arranged, Sithri sets up her tent. Well, she sets up her tent. Maybe other people help her do it. But her tent ends up getting set up. Um, but everybody else kind of sets up their tent in like a rough semicircle. The skill twins come back and they get a fire going. Um, is there anything else anybody wants to do here at the campsite before the end of the night? So I'm going, once everybody's tent's set up and the fire is made, I'm just going to walk up to uh, Neros and like hand her the crumpled up paper and be like, I think this belongs to you. Right. Well. I, I, I don't, um, I don't really like her either, but. Maybe don't be so rude. She is one of the, you know, representatives of the... We're, we're hired to protect her, don't... Oh, I know. I mean, she could walk around without a stick up, up a butt, but... That... I've... That's not gonna happen. <laughs> can always try. Well, be, I, I don't think being rude is the way to make that happen. I didn't think it was rude. I thought it was stating the obvious. I mean, yes. Um, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go now. I'm sorry. All right. Bye. So as the evening continues on, night has fallen. You're all probably gathered around the fire, cooking up some, you know, warming up some food. Just the lightest of snowfalls begins. It's kind of nice, kind of cozy. Not super cold. It's more of like the snowfall where it's like when it hits the ground, maybe a little bit will collect and it's going to melt. Normal weather for March as it is here at the beginning of the spring season in the land of the Lindorm Kings. And as the night wears on, there's some tense conversation, some pleasant conversation. The scholars kind of chat a little bit. Sithri calculatedly ignores everyone. Dolvin makes everyone uncomfortable with his miner's humor. And night gets later. <laughs> not, not children's humor. <laughs> <laughs> 
Humor from people who work in mines. Could be the same thing. We all know how those miners are. Hey, guys, look at this. Oh, no. There goes all of our listening from miners. Have you seen my new Game Boy? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I'm going to go play on my Nintendo. Can't as all of this kind of dies down as the evening's wearing on, everyone heads towards their respective tents until it's just the five of you sitting around the campfire. The four of you and your boss. Wait, he's our boss? Mm -hmm. I hired all of you. Oh, oh, well, I didn't know that. Salazar hired me. Salazar put in the word to have you hired. (laughs) Now you all work for Jenkins. So I, I have to ask. I have wondered how long this uh, this contract is going to last. Just just curious. I really don't. I really don't care if it lasts too long, too short. I've been around a long time. But do you have anything better to do? Uh, do I have anything better to do? As in, what do you mean? You took the job. You get the job done. No, no. That's that's not what I meant. I don't care how long it takes. I just want to know. I'm very curious because, you see, if it takes a long time, that possibly means we can explore more and that there's more to learn. Or if it's a very short time, in which case uh, perhaps I should start lining up where I want to go next. I do have some things I want to go check out, but I think I want to... Could we leave him there? (laughs) I was going to say, do you have a brief between your sentences? Unless he dies. Oh, I should probably make no. Uh, the companies uh, don't uh, have any insurance for your death. I'm I'm sorry about that. I couldn't get that in. Uh, so if you die, we're leaving you in in the mine. Oh, great. Yeah. I don't plan on dying. Okay, don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, it means more money for everyone else if somebody dies. I guess so. Just. Uh, Anyway, um, about your uh, yeah, uh, uh, like he said, until the job is until the job is done, uh, I can get your contract out if you want. Um, d- no, 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 it's okay. As long as the uh, one bit, I just want to study the I, artifacts. If that's I'm right. honestly shocked about how quick you signed it. it. I put a piece of paper in front of you. You said one thing. I added it, and then you signed it. It was weird. Uh, it was uh, no, no, honestly, I, I really didn't. Even care. he read told. his contract, and I signed him on two days ago. I point at Hamir. <laughs> ten hours ago. Oh, my bad. Ten hours ago. Well, yeah, it's yeah. not that I didn't read it. I, I did read I I saw the little bit of the highlights. It, it really wasn't all that important. I think it's safe to say we all have a different reasons for signing. I, I would assume so. And his? His didn't need much of a reason at all. Uh, it, it, it's just sad. Do none of you read contracts, except for him? I mean, once you mention money, it's kind of out of the question. Oh, none of you need to go to Chaliax. <laughs> it is a very interesting place. But anyway, uh, it, 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 like I said, it, the contract wasn't really the, the driving factor for me coming here. I mean, it's the only reason why you're, you, you're allowed to come here. Well, so that's why I signed it. I suppose that's fair. Trust me, if I wanted to come here, it wouldn't matter if I was allowed or not. I'm gonna scoot a little bit away from you now. More room for me. <clears throat> at this point, Zephyr, you can see he's pulling his hands out at the fire warming. Um, 
and you can see that uh, now that they're out of his cloak, you can see his long silver uh, formal shirt, um, but his hands are just as pale white as the rest of his uh, bottom face, but he's still holding his hood up, kind of bundled, but um, you now have that picture of white hands. Oh, I misheard you. <laughs> no, it's like, I now have a picture of white hands. Is I have images yeah. of hands on my person. Not 38 Kelvin. <laughs> I don't have 38 Kelvins on my person. <laughs> That's a lot of Kelvin. Uh, well, cold white hands, but not 38 Kelvin. Exactly. Cold. Not that cold. Well, speaking of cold and the night and the fire, it is starting to get late. You guys might want to go over your arrangements for the night watches. Oh, right. Um, so I'll take the first watch if that's okay with everyone. Uh, I don't care uh, about anything else. Uh, I guess I can take the second watch. That is not a problem for me. How long are we talking? I well, need my rest. Well, you will get your rest. Uh, that's not in the question, but you need to have a watch. Okay, I guess I'll go third. They're two-hour watches. Ah. Zephyr decides to go third. See what I did there. So we have uh, one. I'll, I'm going first, and then Uver's um, going second. Uh, Zephyr's going third. Uh, that just leaves Hamir and Neros uh, to decide. I don't care. I'll just take the fourth then. All right, that leaves Nero with the last watch. I, I, I just said I don't care. I, I know, I'm just stating. I'll take the last, it's fine. Do, it, do I get to wake him up? Uh, yes. If you touch me, you'll lose your finger. Oh, don't worry, Hamir, you won't even see me. I, 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 you're not contractually allowed to harm uh, us on purpose. I'm, I'm, I'm just, it, you signed it. You read it and you signed it. Then they shouldn't give me reason to. He's just waking you up. <laughs> so with our order of watches, the group all heads out to bed, except for, of course, Alward, who remains up by the fire, keeping watch. And roll. I will roll a d6. A uh, six will be a reroll. Oh, that's not a six. It's a four. Hamir, you had the fourth watch, is that right? Yes. So... The night passes rather uneventfully between the first few watches. Um, I imagine Alward respectfully wakes up for the second watch. Uh, yeah, so um, when I go to Ulver's tent, um, I shove, I, I jostle him with my mage hand, and I speak in Dwarvish. It's, it's time to get up now. Come on. Oh, yes, it, it, it is fine. I don't like so much shaking. Ugh. But I, it is time for my watch, yes? Uh, y- yes. Again, all in Dwarvish. I just haven't stopped. <laughs> oh, that is that is fine. That is fine. Also, that is very, very good. Very good. Oh, I did not know. Thank you. Yes, no, I speak a lot of different uh, languages. Even a little bit of TN every now and again. Truly, truly. That is very fascinating. We, we, we must uh, compare notes. Anyway, uh, it is time for my watch. You go to sleep. Oh, okay. So... In the sake of moving things along, I'm going to roll things forward. But in the interest of a payout on earlier foreshadowing, 
Petite, how does Zephyr wake up Hamir? So, uh, so uh, Zephyr um, slightly just creeps in, pokes his head into Hamir's tent, and he uses message to whisper in his ear. That's so creepy. Wake up. <laughs> And then he just creeps away. <laughs> Shade so away. Creepy. I he, love him. He sort of starts waking up and uh, hearing something like that, a foreign voice yelling in his mind, uh, doesn't phase him at all. And he seems like the kind of guy who might be used to that sort of thing. Well, technically, message acts as if it's whispering in your ear, so it wouldn't be in your mind, but mm, it's like enough. I was standing right next yeah. to you. I guess his arm but shoots out to like whack him. you if you were there, and he's like, "Yeah." And just so you know, if you don't come out within the next like thirty seconds, it he's, happens he's, again. He's going. He's going. <laughs> All right, you can go to bed now. You don't even see me. I'm already gone. <laughs> he's already sweet, sweet tent. He never left his tent. <laughs> I was watching through holes in the side. Amir <laughs> sort of sighs, looks over to his side like he's talking to someone it's like he's gonna be a problem I imagine and then walks over to the fire and as the night goes on the snowfall is kind of cozy and comforting it's quiet you hear occasionally like an owl flutter by a mouse in the leaves nothing much of interest happens until you suddenly hear the sound of one of the crates from one of the wagons jostling. And just as you're looking over, you see just in time as the crate tumbles out of the wagon and smashes on the ground next to it. And that is where we end this episode. Not fair. So one thing that we are going to do at the end of every episode, before we say goodbye to our lovely fans and listeners, we're going to award one player with an additional hero point. Now, hero points are a meta currency you can use in this game. You can either turn them in for a re-roll at some point. If you get something and you're like, you know, you roll for a check and you fail, you can turn in your hero point to re-roll it. We're also using a deck of cards we purchased from Paizo. That is the hero point deck. Each card has a unique effect that you can use instead of a re-roll. You can pay that card to get that effect. So for this first session, I would like to give our first hero point to Abby for very interesting um, <laughs> prank <laughs> attempted on Sithri. Not as successful, but a good attempt. It didn't work. <laughs> I second that motion. So, Abby, I hereby present you with a hero point. Abby, what does your new hero point you've earned do? It's called Press On. Uh, play at the start of your turn. Until the end of your turn, ignore penalties to checks and DCs from conditions. Noise. Nice. Abby, would you like to give us an acceptance speech for this hero point? Oh, yes. Thank you so much for rewarding bad behavior. (laughs) (laughs) It just encourages more. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go get more coffee. All right. And we'll see you all in the next episode. This has been an Atomic Broadcasting production. Pathfinder, Galarian, and the Lost Omens world setting are copyright of Paizo. More information at paizo.com. 
Music in the show is from Monument Studios' collection, as well as assorted artists with some original tracks composed by Jordy Haight. More details in the description. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to share with a friend, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next time. All right, and welcome to the first episode of our actual play podcast, The Curse of the Beluga. <laughs> the Curse of the Beluga Whale. Oh. What is the Beluga? Oh, man, there's so many spoilers. I, that think, I think you meant the mystery of the Beluga. 